Welcome to Season 4 of the Fit Farming Food Mom Podcast. I am your host, Connie, world champion powerlifter, former bodybuilder, and elite trainer and nutrition coach. As a movement enthusiast and health nerd, I'm here on this show to speak with educated guests as we dive into the realm of all things health, fitness, mindset, and everything in between. If you enjoy the show, please do me a huge favor by smashing the like button or subscribing and leaving me a review. Now let's get to the show. One of the things that I always tell my clients, especially the ones that are interested in weight loss um, or body composition, is I never I want you in an abundance mindset around food. I never want you to feel like you are restricted, right? Because um, I feel I feel like once you start thinking in this restricted mindset, oh, I can't have this or I can't have that or this is food is bad or this food is 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 off the diet or whatever, um, you're gonna crack eventually. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today, we actually have a wonderful talk with Ryan Baxter. Him and I have very similar approaches when it comes to nutrition and mindset around food. And today, we have a really awesome talk about changing your mindset around it, eating for nutrient density, doing things that help you not crave food. It's a really great conversation, and I think you are going to get a ton out of it. Before we jump into that conversation, you know what I'm about to say. This podcast is brought to you by LMNT, amazing electrolyte supplement. And right now they have their limited edition holiday stuff out. They have a chocolate caramel, a chocolate peppermint or uh, like a minty chocolate, I guess it would be. Uh, and then a regular chocolate that are all wonderful served hot. So you can get your winter fix in and that hot mug of something that's not hot cocoa and not going to compromise your goals. And it's also healthy for you with sodium, potassium, and magnesium. So pop on over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. You can get yourself a free sample pack. Sign up for a monthly subscription. That's what my family does. It's really, really great. Or just get yourself the limited edition pack and drink it hot so that you have something to satisfy those cravings. Anyway, I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode with me and Ryan Baxter. All right, Ryan, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Uh, we were connected through a mutual friend, Brad Kearns, who Brad always connects me with amazing people. That's the best thing about podcasting, right? As we get to meet so many new people and uh, hear their stories and what they're all about, which is really cool. Um, and so you and I, we got talking before we set up this podcast and we have a lot of similarities, which is kind of cool. So how about we dive in with your story to get started? Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, Connie. And yeah, uh, Brad is an awesome individual. I appreciate him connecting uh, the two of us so we can chat a little bit more about interesting stuff. And um, yeah, my name is Ryan Baxter. Uh, I am uh, a number of things. I, do, I am a full-time father and husband, uh, uh, first off. And then uh, I also work full-time as a software engineer and then part-time as a health coach. And um, that's kind of how Brad and I got connected because I took uh, Mark Sisson's Primal Health Coach certification and became a health coach. And um, I, the first thing I that really got me into that space was reading Mark and Brad's book, Primal Endurance, um, as I was uh, uh, a novice endurance athlete trying to figure out how to run uh long distance obstacle course races and um, i did not have a background in athletics like i said i'm a software engineer so you can imagine typical computer nerd uh not uh terribly coordinated uh in in the physical realm of things um but i decided to change that when i was uh shortly after graduating college and um yeah, endurance sports were the thing I dove into, particularly uh, obstacle course racing. And so I came across Brad and Mark's book and kind of dove right in and kind of followed the the principles in that book and, um, you know, discovered that you could eat a lot better than what a typical college person eats <laughs> um, and kind of switched my diet and 
uh, did a lot of heart rate training and long, slow distance running and, and stuff like that. And, um, started training for obstacle course races. And that kind of led me down this path of just health optimization, right. Uh, really focused around ancestral health. Um, and, uh, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I was just kind of fine, uh, blindly following suggestions and stuff like that. And I, kept on trying to optimize my diet and my lifestyle. And, um, I went too far in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I was eliminating too much food, uh, from my, from my diet. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, not only just ultra processed foods, but then like, this is starting to become, you know, around the time where low carbs started to become really popular. And I started to eliminate things like, you know, whole food, carbohydrates like potatoes and fruits and stuff like that and that just didn't leave me a lot of options for eating food I was basically vegetables and meat for a long period of time um, and I was doing a lot of exercise um, as an endurance athlete would and the two kind of uh, were not the best uh, uh, fit together um, that along with uh, at the time I was I had a stressful job I was flying pretty much around the world uh, speaking at conferences um, my daughter was two at the time. She was very young. Um, so the challenges of raising a young child, um, and it had a lot of stress in my life, disrupted sleep patterns, and it all came to a head where I just kind of felt like absolute, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like absolute dog shit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, started to realize that maybe I need to dial things back a little bit, both from a diet and lifestyle perspective. And over the course of years, kind of try to tinker with that and including more food and paying more attention to sleep and recovery and that type of stuff. And then um, decided I want to help others. And that's how I became a, a health coach and, and dove into that stuff. That's my, my background. <laughs> so you and I can probably totally relate with this because similarly, I got super healthy and um then that turned into kind of i mean i'm i don't know how it was in your case for me it was like a seeing the performance changes and seeing the body composition changes and all that became kind of addicting next mm. thing you know i'm doing bodybuilding shows because i'm super lean but then that wasn't the healthy diet i started with which was healthy mentally physically it was a nutrient density like it was the gaps diet i don't know if you've heard of it so there yeah. are some eliminations there but it's very nutrient dense diet um, I went from eating really healthy foods to eating chicken and fish and broccoli and rice. And that's like pretty much it. And yeah. then that compiled with over exercising and not enough sleep. Cause your sleep goes to shit when your nutrition is not where it needs to be. Um, yeah. dieting down to single digit body fat, uh, after about four years of doing that, that all came to a head as well. And I was extremely sick. And that was when it was like, okay, let's reevaluate it. And literally, this is what I told myself. I was like, okay, you've been an asshole to your body. I literally was like, okay, body, I've been an asshole. So I understand that you have to gain a little weight. And I also understand it's not going to be fixed overnight. And so let's start this journey of actually taking care of yourself as a whole, not worrying about how you look or how you perform right now. Let's do everything for health, period. So I can totally relate with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely spent a good number of years trying to get back to that spot. And actually, you know, frankly, I've been trying to, you know, uh, you know, more recently, just even even take that, you know, self-care, more food, more fuel mentality to as far as I possibly can take it, honestly. Um, I think, you know, I think the problem, you're probably the same, right? Type A person, they they commit to something and they go, you know, full on into it. And um, and more is better, right? Um, and until it's not, right? Until better, more is actually worse for you, right? And just keep on trying and trying and trying and, you know, more, 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 and then also, you know, more exercise, you know, more strict diet, you know, uh, and, and just it compounds and just more stress, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, then you see that thing like less sleep, you know, your sleep quality gets better and you kind of just tell yourself, oh, this will change, this will change, it's only temporary, it'll get better, it'll get better, and it never does. Um, and for me, you know, the 
the thing that was that made me finally the 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 thing that mainly made me finally change my ways and say okay we need to switch directions here was really just because I had a family right like it, it was starting to affect my my life with my my family and my my daughter and my wife and I had no energy like I'd come home I could go work out but then I'd come home and I just sit on the couch <laughs> and that wasn't good right so um yeah and then it was just all about self-care and like trying to get more sleep and eat more food and and figure out what that you know that right balance is for someone who is a hard charging athlete because I don't think I think the the confusion for me personally was like I would hear a lot of people talk on podcasts and stuff like that. And the other thing is like, there's so much information out there. It's so readily available and you can consume it. But oftentimes um, uh, context does not apply to the information that's given, right? So the information that someone is listening to might be great for someone who's just getting started coming off the couch is overweight and needs to lose a little bit of weight to get healthier. But if you're someone who's an athlete trying to do, you know, powerlifting or bodybuilding or obstacle course racing or whatever, and you already are healthy, like then that information probably doesn't apply to you anymore. Um, and that gets lost on a lot of people. And that was lost on me. I just thought, you know, this is this is what they say to do. Having a banana is bad. You shouldn't have a banana. So I, I didn't eat bananas, right? <laughs> um, so meanwhile, that that's probably the opposite of what I should have been doing, right? I've uh, been, been doing. And, and so that is probably, you know, the, the two, the, the lack of context in the type A personality, I think is a double-edged sword that can kind of get people in a lot of trouble. Oh, 100%. I totally agree with you on this because, and even at, like, even now that I've learned the hard way so many times, I can tell you what not to do. Um, <laughs> even now I have to keep myself in check. I have to have these talks with myself. I'm like, okay, is this really a health? Are you doing this out of health or are you doing this for another reason? Like I kind of have to evaluate things, but do you find Ryan, when working with clients, now you have to, you know how to kind of skirt around the mental portion of that because you've been there, you've had that all or nothing mentality. You've also learned that doesn't work well. I find that I, I find myself trying to make sure that people don't have that last supper mentality with food and that mm. they see it as a tool for health and not just a tool for weight loss because food and weight loss, they are like, they hold hands together, everyone thinks, right? And the yes. only thing they care about is weight loss. They'll do, they'll eat anything. They'll take any shake. They'll do any pill as long as they see that number on the scale change. And that has affected the way people's thinking is around food to the extent of they can't even hardly eat healthy anymore because it becomes a diet. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think the mental aspect around food is like huge for me. And one of the things that I always tell my clients especially the ones that are interested in weight loss um, or body composition is I never, I want you in, in an abundance mindset around food. I never want you to feel like you are restricted. Right. Um, Cause I feel, I feel like once you start thinking in this restricted mindset, oh, I can't have this or I can't have that, or this is food is bad, or this food is, is, is off the diet or whatever. Um, you're going to crack eventually. Like no one can, there's very few people that can just be like, I'm just not going to eat whatever the food is for the rest of their lives without eventually cracking. And I think that's what leads to this on the train, off the train, on the wagon, off the wagon mentality. Whereas it's like, if you, if you go in with an abundance mindset being like, I, I can eat whatever I want, whatever I want, but I'm just going to make conscious decisions about when I make those choices and what's best for me in the situation and aligns for my goals, then you don't have, you're not going into the situation restricted, right? You're not saying that I can't have this food. It's just like right now I'm choosing not to do, I'll do it another time, right? I'm going to wait for the right opportunity to eat that food. Um, and I think that switch alone mentally helps people kind of stick to things a little bit better. I hate, it's kind of like flexible dieting, but I don't, you know, that, that term also has a lot of connotations with it so i just rather think like you you can eat whatever food you want keep your mind in, in a in a state of abundance and then pick and choose your times when you want to do that like thanksgiving or holidays like we're around those, those times now 
like those are times to have some of those foods that are meaningful to you. They have special connections beyond just calories, right? They're the, the pie that grandma always makes on Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, like eat the damn pie. Like it's Christmas, you know, you're only going to have it once a year and that's the time to do that stuff. And then the rest of the time, you know, you know, stick with what your normal whole foods eating, you know, plan diet, whatever works for you uh, the rest of the time. So I think that mental aspect is huge. Yeah. I try to tell people that as well. I think we have a tendency, well, there's a lot of nuances to this, right. And we'll dive into that maybe a little bit, mm. but um, people have a tendency, I call it that last supper mentality, right? Yeah. And like, they think, oh, I want to have Chick-fil-A today. I'm just using that as an example. I don't know why, because I had a client bring it up the other day, but oh, I want to have Chick-fil-A today, right? And I'm like, but the thing is, is let's get, let's kind of, let's kind of work on your health a little bit. We got some health markers on labs that need to be worked at. I promise you, Chick-fil-A is not going anywhere, right? It's going to be there later on. So instead yeah. of being like, I start my diet on Monday and mm. now I can't have this. So I'm going to gorge on it now. It's not, no, we're, it's not like, no, we can never have this again or it's off or yeah. whatever. It's like, Hey, that'll be around later for a treat. You know, once we have chipped away at things a little bit, or maybe, you know, fit it in here in a different spot or, you know, like, so I don't know what your approach is to that kind of thing. I feel like even with myself personally, I've learned if I, if I, try to eat even in a situation like Chick-fil-A, right? Go find, mm. I mean, it's not often that I would do this, but if I go somewhere or my friends are going out to eat somewhere and I go with them, I try to eat something that I can still enjoy from there, but it also has a lot of protein. So it's going to keep mm. me satiated. And it also maybe has a vegetable, you know, and I try to just pick things that taste good, but maybe have better options. Yeah. Yeah, I, the 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 last supper mindset, as you call it, is definitely a thing. Like I, I see that all the time, where people either they're going to start a diet or they're going to start whatever. Or what, you know, New Year's is coming up. I'm going to start my diet then. So for the next month, I'm just going to go all out because after that, it's 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 I'm not going to be able to eat anything, which is not true because they're never going to not eat whatever Chick Fil A or whatever the food is that they're trying to avoid. Um, because I can guarantee you that they will again. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, like just getting rid of that. Like you're going to eat the food. It's never, it's not going anywhere. Like you said, Chick-fil-A is not going anywhere. They're not going out of business. If you really want Chick-fil-A, it's going to be there when the time is right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so just getting rid of that, that mindset is, is huge. And, um, and, and yeah, like it, when, if I was to go, I've never had Chick-fil-A in my life just because it was never around me when I grew up. So it's mm -hmm. now it's something, but I've, but if I was to go have Chick-fil-A, I would do the same thing. Like I would find the best piece of protein at that restaurant or whatever fast food joint, do that, get some kind of salad. I'm sure they have a salad or whatever. And then whatever else you want from Chick-fil-A that you really enjoy, go ahead and get that. Like at least make it somewhat structured and somewhat thoughtful decision about the food that you're going to get there and get the thing that you really like, but also get you know, something that's, you know, resembles actual food that gives your body something like protein mm -hmm. is obviously the number one thing that I would tell people to choose. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, or if you're going to, if you're going to go get Chick-fil-A, like if that's going to be your dinner, like make breakfast and lunch super, you know, good, like mm -hmm. protein, veggies, protein, veggies, work out that day and then go enjoy your Chick-fil-A at night and, mm -hmm. and, and have at it. Right. Like, you know, just don't, I often tell people like, oh, what should I do in this situation? And I basically use the term, like, don't eat like an asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> like, don't just don't just don't eat like an asshole. Like use some common sense about the way you're eating. Um, have some conscious oversight to what you're doing mm -hmm. and then enjoy the thing that you want to enjoy and, and be done with it and move on for it. Don't, don't like make the entire week, month, whatever, just, I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want and not move my body. Right. Like just, mm -hmm. just have some kind of conscious oversight to it. Right. It's not like, Oh, I plan on going out with my friends tonight. So this whole day is going to be a cheat day because I'm already going to screw it up. A lot of people get on that all or nothing mentality train. And it's so yeah. hard because it just completely puts them behind. And I kind of always try to get them to think of it like a bucket. Right. So mm. you have this, you know, whatever you have, whatever it be, may be, it might be a calorie bucket, it might be a stress bucket, it might be a toxin bucket, but we all have these buckets. And the less bad things we put in them, 
the more room there is later to have a little cheat here and there, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's just like stress, like stay as parasympathetic as you can when you can, right. so that when you are stressed, you have some room for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you have to, you have to put the good things in the bucket. So in order to be more resilient to the bad things, right? Like mm -hmm. you have to like make yourself as anti-fragile as possible. Um, and, and that involves, you know, good stress management practices, good sleep, good eating practices, exercise, movement, all that fun stuff, getting outside in the sunlight so that when you want to go enjoy yourself, um, you're not just destroyed afterwards. Like, I also think there's so, there's also the other end of the spectrum where you're so, um, you know, you're so dialed in hundred percent of the time. You never have any kind of negative, bad stress in your life that as soon as a bad stress happens, you just completely crumble like it goes off the, the rails like that's that's not what we want either right like so build some resilience into your life um with some of these practices and then you're you're going to be you know uh when you do decide to do whatever you want to do for whether it's a food perspective or something else like you're not just going to absolutely crumble and fall apart either right yeah i actually have watched this so my mother um i don't have a huge relationship with my parents people are here we or I do with my dad, but I'm my mom. My mom was kind of one of these people that was afraid of the end of the world and she's afraid of everything, right? So mm. like when Y2K was coming, we had like 55 gallon barrels of water in our house and <laughs> all these like, you remember laundry soap used to come in five gallon square buckets? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we had like lentils with those, like it, it, we had lots of food storage. Anyway, she started out vegan. So um, when I was a kid, we didn't eat any any animal based products at all for like mm. uh, till I was like 10 right and it was kind of funny because when she'd go away on work my dad would always try to cook us up some kind of animal based product uh <laughs> but uh he'd make like spaghetti or something but but I've watched her her whole life on extreme diets so then she mm. was like pescatarian or she went to vegetarian then she went to pescatarian and she'd eat a little bit of fish and maybe a little bit of chicken and now at 70 years old, she looks like she's going to die, literally. Mm. And she cannot eat any foods. She can eat like three foods without having a crazy allergic reaction. Because just like you said, you also have to have a tolerance to some of these things a little, I think. And when mm. you eliminate so much, it becomes very hard to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. And it's... um. It, the body is is very resilient but it's also like it's very it will adapt to the way you're you're eating right like mm -hmm. it, this is very true for people who spend a lot of time eating low carb mm -hmm. um they'll they'll then all of a sudden make the decision to try and reintroduce carbohydrates and they don't really have a very smooth transition about it because there's certain enzymes that the body produces in order to metabolize carbohydrates and if you're not giving your body carbohydrates the body stops producing those enzymes and then that makes for a bad situation once you try to eat them again mm -hmm. and then they're like oh i don't handle carbs very well well i mean maybe not at the moment you don't because you told your body that you don't need to mm -hmm. um and the body's very you know it will adapt that way and and so like we just have to do it a little bit smarter like you have to go about it a little bit more strategically and take it very slow, you know, and, and that's true with anything that you like, if you have, if you've been vegetarian for a long time, I don't suggest you sit down to a 12 ounce ribeye and like try to destroy that the first piece of meat you eat, like maybe mm -hmm. we should try like a little bit of ground beef that's very easy to digest or something like that. Like, you know, something that's not going to just throw your body for a complete loop because it hasn't seen this thing for a long time. Also yeah. true of exercise, right? If you haven't exercised in a long time, don't go try and deadlift something with <laughs> max weight. Like maybe we'll just do a couple bodyweight squats and we'll start there. Right. Um, so the whole adaptation resilience thing is like, you got to take it slow. You got to build up the tolerance and, and people forget about that stuff too. And, and don't realize that. Right. And they're also impatient. Right. So, and that's where coaching comes in. It's like, you know, this is how we guide you through these processes. Not impossible to change things. We just have to do it slow and we have to do it measured and, we're going to, you know, look for signs of adaptations and, and progress in the right direction and take those wins and then add a little bit more stress as time goes on and, and build more adaptations and stuff like that. So, yeah. 
Well, and that's actually a great thing to kind of touch on, honestly, Ryan, because we've got social media. This social media thing is a bad deal. I actually, I had a client tell me yesterday, she's like, I can see why you stopped posting a lot of information on social media. And I was like, well, I couldn't tolerate it anymore. We've got the copy and paste freaking health coaches out there and Mm. diet people. There's the diet push is so hard like the to look like a fitness influencer and to have abs like you're not worthy if you don't have abs that's like a big thing right um but people think because this fitness influencer looks like this they and they work out six or seven days a week and do an hour of cardio on top of an hour of lifting and I was guilty at one point right of Mm. the same thing they think because that person has to do that to look that way. They should do it too. And this person might be starting at 250, 250 pounds or 200 pounds or 180 pounds. They might not like that person is also used to that. Their body, like yeah. obviously ad- adaptations in the fitness space can be negative, right? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. person is now having to do more to maintain that because they have done so so much for so long. So um, you see people that want to start a health journey and what do they do? They dive into an hour of what, what's up with running? Everybody wants to start running to get healthy too, by the way. I'm this is add zone, that. zone two, zone two cardio. That's, yeah. that's why. <laughs> uh, like anyway, people think they need to, to do six days a week of this intense exercise and eat in yeah. uh sub 1000 calorie food, nutrition, diet, whatever. Um, mm-hmm in order to look this way. And what they don't realize is like, if you're just getting started on a health journey, less is more. Why would you start out at a 10 when you can start out at a one or a two and get results because you just made a positive change. So a lot of people end up going to a 10, they get burnt out, they're tired, their body is pissed off at them, they're hungry. They associate the gym with being sore and having to, to, stress themselves out and it's too much work and then dieting they're hungry now you got a big mess of things and then they quit yeah 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 absolutely i i mean i have the most ideal client that illustrates that the opposite can work (laughs) Uh, she she, i just got off the phone with her last night and she was um we for the past six months she has worked out um three days a week um she's a mom uh, to t- two kids, one that's one and a half at the moment, uh, full-time job. Um, and, and, uh, so she, you know, her biggest constraint in her life is time. Like she has to, she's, she has a lot of other commitments, right? So she, her workouts were, she worked out three times a week. Her diet was, you know, it was just whole foods based. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't sexy, low carb, intermittent fasting, keto, carnivore, what, whatever, like you throw that all out the window. It was just, we just ate whole foods at a, you know, a reasonable diet, you know, didn't eat like an asshole. Um, <laughs> and uh, she worked, she, her, she had two strength training workouts a week and then one 20 to 30 minute run that she would do. And then I would have her walk, like try and get seven to 10,000 steps a day, pretty mm-hmm. much. And over the course of six months, um, you know, she, her, her pants that, used to be super tight where now she could wear them, you know, the whole day without being extremely uncomfortable. Um, the scale was down around five or six pounds, I think, but like that doesn't reflect the mu- muscle that she built as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. but the scale was moving in the right direction. She was getting compliments from other people, like how, you know, how, how different she looked and, uh, her face was skinnier and stuff like that. And like, she was just doing the bare minimum of like three days a week of like, you know, two strength training workouts and, and walking in, in a 20 minute run. And that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's making progress in the right direction. If she keeps doing that, she's going to just continue to make progress. Mm-hmm. Maybe she adds another quick day of strength training or another day, a little bit more time running or something like that. If she starts to see progress stall, but for the most part, that was, you know, that's simple stuff. Like it's not a lot of time, you know, maybe it's two hours a week of exercise, you know, mm-hmm. If that, like probably not even that. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't need to go to the extreme. Now, if you want to get on stage and be a bodybuilder and have six pack abs, like that's a different story. That is a completely different story. But if you want to be a healthy person at a, um, a healthy body weight um, and healthy does not mean six pack abs, by the way, like mm-hmm. I was six, I had six packs abs. And when I was, you know, that whole story, I was not healthy. Like that mm-hmm. was not healthy. Right. Um, some people are gifted and they, 
they can get there and and be at that body fat percentage and their testosterone doesn't look like garbage or their their um, you know any hormones whether you're male or female right mm -hmm. doesn't look like garbage doesn't look like garbage and they can sleep fine which like we mentioned that that was that usually goes out the window mm -hmm. um but for most people that's not necessary like you're probably not going to be healthy at that that body percent fat percentage and they're not also the amount of time um that the average person has to commit to exercise and watching their nutrition and the sacrifices that that, that takes that it's not going to happen i'm sorry <laughs> It's just not, I think the time constraint alone is just something that people can't, they wouldn't be able to have, have. and it's not necessary. So, mm -hmm. well, yeah. and ultimately adding more stress is a, is a huge piece as well, right? If somebody's rushing right. around trying to make it to the gym or get there, I mean, even if it's 10,000 steps a day, if they're ex adding extra stress, they're also doing themselves a huge disservice. Right. Yeah. And I don't think people realize, you know, like what they see on the internet um, with some of these people is like their job is to look that way almost like in that, you know, maybe they're an influencer that, that makes their living just online doing whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but anyways, yeah. you know, is they don't have two kids. They don't have a, you know, jobs, you know, demands for jobs and commuting and taking people around or other family members that rely on them and stuff like that that lack of stress it's like being a, a professional athlete like their job is to work out train sleep eat so that they can perform mm -hmm. and they they have the ability to do all that and recover but when you have the rest of this life stress on top of you like that takes away that means you can't work out as much it means you can't diet as hard it you know because you're you're just too much stress on your body <laughs> mm-hmm Absolutely. I'm one of those that I don't, I, it's pretty rare. I'll post a picture of what I look like online. Mm. And if I do, it's as an advocate for, for a looking normal. I never use filters on Instagram. Even if I have a big yeah. fat zit on my face, uh, I'm <laughs> like, sometimes it's painful. I'm not going to lie. I took a selfie the other day and I was like, Oh Lord, I hate to post this, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. but we need to be more real. I think that's huge. Um, and I just am not one of those people. Like I used to be that person where I would post a picture of what I looked like, or I would look back at what my body was back four years ago when I was bodybuilding and be like, Oh, I miss this. But I honestly, that was my mindset then, right? I, my worth was equated to how I looked. Now it's totally different. I'm like, Hey, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to feel optimal. I've got a family I've got to take care of. I want to perform my ultimate goal is performance. Honestly, <laughs> like right. I want to yeah. be able to, if I want to go run a Spartan race next weekend, I want to be able to do that comfortably may not be, may not be running seven minute miles here. Okay. <laughs> Probably like 20 minute miles right now. I'm like a brick, but being able to do all of these things with my kids, like we go on these crazy hikes, we do all this stuff and I want to be, I want to have longevity on my side. And I want to yeah. be real on social media about that. Like, Hey, I mean, honestly, getting ready for worlds for powerlifting, I got injured five weeks before the actual competition. I couldn't train the way I wanted to. And it was kind of a mental thing, but on the flip side of it, it was, I had to do what was right for me. If I had trained and blew my shoulder up worse than it, than it was already, I would have actually set myself behind. So there's, a lot of things we have to keep into consideration about being realistic with our fitness journey, our health journey, our nutrition journey, whatever it may be, um, mm -hmm. setting out it to be realistic about things. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also like you, you mentioned that your goal is performance. And I think I kind of, um, in, in a sneaky way, try to get even my weight loss clients to be focused on some aspect of performance to have uh, something else that they um, they can measure progress by uh, that's not that doesn't have to do with the way they look or the scale or their body measurements or the way the way their clothes fit um, and I think and I think ultimately even if they uh, you know when they do focus on performance the body composition stuff generally comes along with it unless you're already at the peak you know, performance end of the system, which most weight loss clients are not. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so just giving them metrics to be like, okay, this is where we are from not only a, a body composition point of view, but this is where we are from a performance point of view, mm-hmm. because you ca- you almost cannot increase performance in the beginning without improving body composition as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you're gonna, if you're, if you're just starting out and you're gonna, you're stepping into the gym after a, a long time, like you're gonna build muscle and, and lean out and, and all that stuff's just going to come along with it. Right. And you're going to see your strength increase and stuff like that. And then, you know, the body cups, this stuff just kind of falls in line after that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm a firm believer that if you're, as long as you're eating, the you know eating a, a decent diet you're you're sleeping well and you're managing your stress you're moving your body and exercising like the body composition just kind of naturally falls into that mm-hmm. like i said you're you're not going to be like stage ready lean but you're gonna you're you can't be unhealthy and overweight and obese doing those things basically it's like right it's almost a it's a physical impossibility unless you have some kind of weird outlying medical condition right mm-hmm. so um, having kind of switching focus from away from, you know, those, those, uh, aesthetic goals to more performance goals, just, you know, take some of the pressure off. And then the, the, the aesthetic stuff kind of just falls in line once you watch the performance stuff go up and it's more fun, right? It's cool to see someone like, oh, I couldn't, you know, deadlift a hundred, you know, half my body weight before. And now I can, and like, they get all excited about that and like, oh, mm-hmm. by the way, my, my pants fit better. Yeah. Right? And I, I can start, you know, I see my back looks better, right? Mm-hmm. My arms look better, right? And so that that kind of just falls in line with that stuff. So I almost I think performance goals are really for everyone, no matter what what you're trying to accomplish. Um that that just it just makes things a lot better. <laughs> well, and not only that, but I find once somebody pushes themselves a little outside of their comfort zone and they achieve something cool, like I recently had a client do a Spartan sprint. Actually, she did the whole trifecta this year, but awesome. She started with a sprint mm. and she all of a sudden, like we literally had a call. She was almost in tears. She's like, I never, ever, ever thought I would ever do anything like that. Right. And she's like, I can't believe it. And then once you achieve something, this is the hard part. Once you achieve some, you know, she didn't go out and run it at top speed. They just walked it yeah. and did the obstacles, but it was like, holy cow, I just did this thing. All of a sudden you realize you're unstoppable. You can do anything yeah. you want to do. And if you're in control of that, you're the driver of that bus. And that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that, that, it's like uh, getting that ball rolling is like the best is is the best part, right? Is it, it, it's it's the hardest thing to do to get that momentum just to get started. But once you do get that that ball rolling in the right direction, everything else just kind of keeps on trucking, right? And and the, and the thing is, you you have to you have to always don't let something there's going to be hiccups along the way, right? There's going to be things that don't work out, like you said, like five weeks out from your competition you you had an injury right and you couldn't train at all but that didn't mm-hmm. stop you like you i'm sure you were still trying to do a, everything you can to both heal that injury and progress in whatever way you can find alternate ways of lifting whatever to get there right and there's going to be times where like you know the food situation isn't perfect or whatever and those things will happen but you always have to just remember that come back to the foundations day after day after day right are you going to sleep good the next day are you gonna you know try and get out for your walk that you missed are you going to do your meditation that you might have skipped the day before are you going to make up that exercise session that you missed later on in the week right like just always trying to get back to where things should be because there's going to be things that come up time after time and time that time to try to derail you and that just keeps the ball moving right always moving forward always trying to look for progress and failure happens and that's okay you just have to learn from it like what went wrong in this situation what could I have done better what could I do next time you know that that to avoid the problem and and just move on for it and and keep on trying to get better Mm -hmm. I love that so my question to you Ryan is when you start working with a client obviously you're going to work on the mindset portion because that's a huge piece Mm -hmm. of eating you know, nutrient dense foods and not sabotaging yourself with a bunch of, of junk food, but there's mm-hmm. so much, uh, met such as we talked about mental portion of it, right. We are mm-hmm. 
we are taught that in order to enjoy time with our friends, we need to eat the junk food. And as a celebration, you eat junk food. And there's so many, like, all right. I, I mean, you get good grades with your parents when you're a kid, you go out for ice cream. It wasn't salad. <laughs> it was ice cream. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like we are programmed that food is also a reward system. There, mm. So there's a lot of pieces around that. So how do you combat some of that stuff with your clients? Um, I, I try to tell them that there, there's a couple of things, right? So the first thing I want to make sure is that these special occasions, right? These are what these things are. Um, they should be special occasions and that they should truly be like that. So every day should not be an excuse for a special occasion, right? So I had a client, she, um, she has a lot of social engagements because of work, right? Her job involves taking clients out to dinner and lunch and blah, blah, blah. So she's eating out a lot and eating out a lot is hard, right? Because to the, even if you try to do the best, your ability, picking the good stuff on the menu, you really don't know how that stuff was prepared in the kitchen. So, you know, you're just kind of estimating anyways, right? <laughs> like, so that's the challenge to begin with. But then like she, you know, I had, I had to, we had to, I had to be up front with her and be like, okay, we're going to have to pick and choose the times where you're going to have a drink or have a, the dessert or whatever. Right. Like, because you want to save that stuff for when it's really meaningful for you, like the most meaningful occasions to have the piece of pie or the birthday cake or whatever. Right. Your, your coworker's birthday, is that more important to you to have cake there or on your son's birthday? Like, which one are you going to choose? Obviously, you're going to choose your son's birthday, right? So I try to put it in context of like attaching the food to the meaning and the, the, the social engagement, the people that you're around with, right? How important is that to you versus if you're going to have it here, you're going to have to sacrifice it somewhere else. So where are you going to do that? Right. And that helps frame the discussion with them is like, okay, if I'm out with at my church gathering, I'm going to skip the the cookies and the cakes and all that fun stuff. I'm just going to have, maybe I won't have anything. Maybe I'll eat before I go. Maybe I'll just have a glass of water or whatever. Um, because I know, you know, this weekend I have grandma's 90th birthday and I want to have a piece of cake and celebrate that with her because that's a special occasion to me. Like, so for people that are in those situations a lot, you know, that's the the kind of mindset I try to help them frame their choices around making that that decision. Um, ultimately, though, I try to have people eating in an environment that they're under as much control as possible, right? So. For people who travel, right, you know, um, traveling for work, whatever, if you can get some, if you're stay, if you can stay in some kind of place that has a kitchen, that's the best thing. Like that way you can go to the grocery store, you can grab some food, you can make the stuff in the kitchen at the place you're staying or like get an Airbnb, like that's the best situation. Um, you know, uh, another simple thing is like, don't have stuff in your house that you know you're going to eat no matter what. Like, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you can't resist the pint of ice cream in your in your freezer, do not buy the pint of ice cream, right? If you want to get ice cream, you're going to have to go to the store and get it, right? Um, some people are really good at that. Like I can, the cookies can be on the counter. The cake can be out in front of, sitting right in front of me at my desk. I, it doesn't bother me not to try and eat that stuff. Like it could be right in front of me and it doesn't bother me. Other people knowing that it's just locked in the cabinet around the corner will drive them absolutely bonkers <laughs> until they actually eat it, right? Um, so like the environment that you're in, like make it as conducive as possible to the way you think you should eat. Um, and that could be in your house. It could be, um, you know, when you're traveling, wherever, like your office at work, like don't have, you know, something sitting on your desk all day long that you know you're going to eat. Like don't walk by the, the, the break room with the donut sitting on the table. Like just try to... <laughs> goose the environment as, as, as best as possible in, in your favor and, and avoid those situations. So it's like mindful, conscious decisions, like just being aware of what you're doing and what your triggers are, um, 
and having some conscious oversight to your environment, the food you're eating, that type of stuff, the choices that you're going to make, um, planning ahead, that type of stuff just helps enormously without having to like always eating the thing, right? Always mm -hmm. having to eat the thing. Do you find over time, Ryan, that also when people are focusing on nutrient density and eating quality proteins, carbs, and fats, mm. that those cravings actually tend to go away. The less you introduce them into your diet, it yeah. kind of gets to where you don't crave it anymore. Yeah. I think, I think first it has to do with, I want to crowd out the foods. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that come to me and they, they, their weight loss clients or whatever, the first thing I want to look at is I have them do a two week food log. I tell them, eat the way you're currently eating. Don't try to impress me. I don't really care. I just want to see how you're currently eating. And I'll look at that and say, okay, there, here's areas of improvement, right? I see a lot of snacking or whatever that's happening here, et cetera, et cetera. And they probably expect me to say, all right, I'm going to come in, like be the, the, the hard ass coach and like strip out all this stuff and just say, don't eat this stuff. Instead, I just tell them, okay, I see you're eating a lot of this stuff. I, I see your protein's a little low. Um, why don't we try and up that a little bit? Because I know it's the most satiating thing. And then there's also that that uh, protein leverage hypothesis that says if your body not getting adequate protein, it's just going to continue to try and eat and eat and eat until it gets the amino acids it needs. Mm -hmm. So if we can just bump that up to where it should be, that's going to solve those two things. You're going to feel more full and you're going to have a lot of the nutrients that your body's going to crave, uh, whether that's amino acids or micronutrients. Um and, and that's probably going to eliminate those possibilities. The other thing I look for, I have them take a picture of the food they're eating, like visually see that, not only log it, but take a picture of it. Because I want to see how much food volume is on their plate. So a lot of people will just like, they'll have the some protein, they'll have, you know, a, a handful of vegetables and then like whatever else carb thing, or maybe they don't even have another carb. They just have a little piece of protein, a little bit of vegetables at each meal. And then they're like, I'm starving all the time. I'm always hungry. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, we got our protein up to the right amount. Um, and, and you're still hungry. Let's try just adding a little bit of volume to your food, like for not a lot of calories. And that means typically vegetables, right? Like, so what vegetables do you like? Like, I'm not an anti-vegetable person. You know, if you are fine, I don't believe that they're going to kill you. I love vegetables. Um, but anyways, that's a whole other discussion. But like, let's try to add some vegetables to your plate, like load that plate up with as many vegetables as you want. I don't really care. Like put the broccoli on there. Don't go dumping a whole bunch of salad dressing and tough and nuts and all that other stuff on top of there. But like, let's throw some salt and pepper on there, a little bit of olive oil, load that thing up with vegetables. Now, how, how do you feel? Oh, I feel a lot fuller. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and then you kind of crowd out and then you start to see the snacks and the, the picky stuff that they they're picking at. Um, you know, constantly eating the chocolate and the nuts and bag of pretzels or whatever, the popcorn at night, like that starts to kind of taper off because they're just not hungry anymore. Like mm -hmm. they're full, they're satiated and it kind of crowds out the rest of that stuff. So, um, it's another trick of like, you know, dealing with those special occasions, just like load up before you go there, like on the healthy mm -hmm. stuff, like make sure you are full going into that, that special occasion type of situation so that you're not like sitting there with the, um, at Chick-fil-A and like ordering eight chicken sandwiches and a bunch of fries and a shake and whatever, like make sure you're full going there. So you're not going to want to eat as much. Mm -hmm. Well, so funny story that might be entertaining for you is, uh, um, so I don't, I don't have, so I don't eat gluten. I have autoimmune. So I, I, that's a no non-negotiable for me, which doesn't matter because there's plenty of great gluten-free foods out there. And yeah, cool you know uh yep. but anyway so long story short i stopped making food the villain and i just started eating the the only thing i really count macro wise or food tracking wise at all is protein and i load mm. up on protein and i'm so satisfied most of the time that i don't crave any other crap mm. so and i also do not weigh myself however i have to make weight for powerlifting. yeah so uh, I am actually the strongest that I can possibly be at 160 pounds. So, mm -hmm. however, my weight class is 148. So, mm -hmm. uh, I could go up, but I, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. Anyway, <laughs> so I hop on the scale two weeks before the world championships and I go, uh-oh, 
I'm 160 pounds and I have to weigh in under 148. Okay. Well, I eat so much food that it didn't take much. I cut a little bit down and tracked and I lost weight almost immediately. And now the funny thing of this was, is my metabolism is cranking so hard because I eat so much that I was starving to death eating like 2,500 calories a day. Yeah. Yeah. And so after worlds, we eat all perfect after worlds i go shopping because i hadn't i all of a sudden got that food thing going because i was counting after worlds i go shopping for and i like literally loaded up on like gluten-free brownies that were like huge like half the size of my head right and like cinnamon rolls i bought a bunch of gluten-free cinnamon rolls and a bunch of donuts like i was like oh yeah I've, this is going down over restricting for only two weeks. So I know I cannot restrict foods for my diet. That's not a yeah. no go. Right. At being yeah. paired with hunger. And then all of a sudden just restricting for two weeks made me go off the rails. The hilarious part is though, I go shopping for all this stuff. I bring it home. I set it on the counter. I had like one quarter of the brownie and I never ate anything beyond that. Cause as soon as I started eating my regular food again, I didn't have any junk food cravings. I'm pretty sure that my kids went to eat the brownie maybe the day before yesterday and it had sat on the counter for so long. It was like a brick and I don't think anybody even ended up eating it. And I sat and I looked at that and I was like, isn't that ironic that back in the day, I probably would have annihilated all of that. And instead my brain made me go and buy all that crap. Like I'm going to get back up to 160, you know? (laughs) And And then I totally, because I started eating enough food again and didn't restrict, all of a sudden the switch was flipped and it was like, oh, don't need this. Okay, cool. But that's just a good example of what can happen if you're in a restriction mentality or you're not eating satiated food, satiating foods. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the body, and it's, it's not your fault, right? This is all like a survival mechanism. If you've ever read uh, Rob Wolf's book, Wired to Eat, like it's, it's it's so eye-opening to think about like we are designed to crave these foods like especially in times where we're uh we're restricting calories or we're putting ourselves intentionally in a caloric deficit because our bodies over hundreds of thousands of years the only purpose is to turn calories into babies like that's really the only purpose we're here on earth right and our brains still subconsciously think that there isn't enough food around so we start to eat in a caloric deficit it's like okay the next thing that looks really good that comes our way like we're gonna eat the crap out of that because we need to turn some calories into babies and um so whether that's a um a a giant brownie or donuts or cinnamon rolls or whatever (laughs) like you're gonna buy that thing and you're gonna eat the crap out of it because you know who knows when the next famine is gonna come right and Mm -hmm. that's the way your brain is thinking it doesn't know that you could just go down the street and and get these things whenever you want it like thousands of calories in an instant for very cheap <laughs> without mm-hmm. very little cost and no energy expenditure by the way like uh you know doordash is a thing now like you literally can just sit on your couch and push a button and it comes to you yeah um which is also not the case hundreds of thousands of years ago um and uh so like that is just built into us right and so we have to understand that the cravings we have around those foods, especially when we start to restrict them for a long period of time, like that's just natural. Like that's just like, you're, you're just, your body's just trying to tell you to survive. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like once you start, I also think that once you, you're eating a diet of whole natural foods and you're satiated and you, those things come your way, the chances you're going to eat them. I mean, you still might do it, but you're probably not going to eat a lot of them. Like, like you said, you might have a bite of the brownie, but you're probably like, eh, I'm done with this. You know, like I'll save it for another day. And maybe that day never even comes. Like mm-hmm. um, it, it ends up going stale on the counter. Right. Um, though that that's never going to happen if you're restricting yourself and you're in a caloric deficit, right. That That's mm-hmm. where you need to, that's where it's like really hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I think like, eating as much as you is so for the athletes out there and the people who are already at an optimal body composition, don't have any health concerns, et cetera. Like you should be trying to eat as much food as you possibly can with 
without putting on a, a crap ton of body weight. Like just literally eat as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I guarantee you it's, it's hard to do if you're sticking to whole natural foods. Um, you're just, it, you, your activity increases, you feel much better. Your performance goes up. You're going to be burning off all those calories that you eat. Um, you know, when I, when I spoke to Brad, um, uh, on our last podcast we did, like I told him over the course of a year, I ate 700 additional calories over the course of a year, more than I was eating the year before. And I literally via DEXA scan, I did not gain a single pound of fat, like mm-hmm. nothing like, and it's just because you're active, you're moving around, you're burning off that stuff. You're an athlete, like chances are, it's going to build muscle. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, you're playing with a, with a different set of rules almost, uh, than the sedentary person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why exercise and movement is so important. And then filling in that diet with whole natural foods after that is like, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. And then you're never hungry. You're not tempted by these ultra processed foods anymore. Um, and it, it kind of just, like I said, works itself out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, if there was one thing you could get out there to all of our listeners today, what would it be? Related or not related to what we talked about? <laughs> anything, anything. I'm sure there's a life lesson you want to get out there and make sure you put it out in the world. I'm going to go with the least sexiest thing that uh, comes to mind just because I'm a firm believer in this is I think that everyone should be getting seven to 10,000 steps a day. Um, I steps are not sexy it's it's boring whatever but i think one of the biggest problems we have is just general lack of movement mm-hmm. um and i think if people move more especially if you can do it outside like if you can get outside in the sun there's so many added benefits like the vitamin d and the the stress relieving of being outside in nature and the sun in your eyes helps you sleep better and like all that stuff is just so good not to mention you're moving your body and burning a little bit of calories like that is like, you know, the, the exercise, the the movement piece, you know, also like makes you more tired later at night. So you go to bed at time. Like it's just, and it's accessible to everyone. Like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't take, it, you have a pair of shoes and you just go outside and walk for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, you could do it any time of the year. I live in New Hampshire, it, February when it's snowing and blowing, you know, negative two degrees outside. I, I still go outside and walk like mm-hmm. all time. So I think um, walking would be my tip. That was actually a huge focus for my powerlifting prep was, so when you start lifting heavy in a nutshell, your CNS gets a little mad at you. And (laughs) the first thing that goes to crap when your CNS gets mad at you, obviously, is sleep. And Mm. I would sleep until like one or two in the morning, and then I could not go back to sleep. So the big, I immediately was like, okay, I got to get sun in my eyes first thing in the morning and try to regulate these cortisol patterns and try to do everything under within my power to get good sleep at night. Cause you can't recover if you don't sleep. Hmm. And so I literally would wake up and the minute my eyes open in the morning, I would get out of bed, put on some pants and a shirt and put on my shoes and go walk all the way down like a mile down to the stoplights and back. Mm-hmm. And it was a game changer in my sleep. Huge. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, I couldn't do that. I need to have coffee. I'm like, no, you would be real surprised if you just put yeah. on your walking shoes, step out of bed and step out the door. You would be real amazed how well your body wakes up. Yeah. Like uh, the number one hack for that that I tell people is like walk after every meal. Every mm-hmm. meal you eat, just go for a five, 10 minute walk. Like, yeah. And and just start there. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be crazy. Just when you eat, walk after that. And then you're you're probably going to get pretty close to that seven to 10,000 steps a day if you do that. Mm-hmm. So that, that'd be my tip. Well, I love it. How do my listeners come find you? Yeah, sure. Um, on Instagram, you can find me. Uh, my health coaching page is RJB Health Coaching. Uh, my personal Instagram is Ryan Jason Baxter, if you want to find me there. Um, my website uh, where I put out uh, all my content is rjbhealth.coach. Um, you can go there and at the top of the page, there's a newsletter link. You put that and enter your email address and sign up for my newsletter. Um, I send out like two to three 
emails a week and it's usually just um just actionable content like it's i don't try to spam you like i i just try to put out a video and a blog post and maybe a snippet of something that i find interesting every week and uh you can sign up there and kind of keep up with everything i'm doing if you especially if you don't like to stalk people on social media that would be the best way to do it I love it. Well, I'll put all your information, your information in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you joining me today for this talk. It was awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about me, my online programs, or to inquire about coaching, please visit www.connynightingale.com. And remember, nothing in the contents of this show is intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness, and it is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your primary care physician before implementing any new health protocols.